chapter 1, verses 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. With that, we're going to talk about how there's someone here that believes that the life and the situation that they are living in is all that life has to offer. There might be someone here watching online, and we praise the Lord for our brothers and sisters who are, sisters who are watching us online today. We love you, and we feel your prayers, but there might be someone here watching online that is looking around at their life and saying, is this all that there is? And they've been fighting so hard and trying to figure out a way out of their situation or even out of their state of being, wondering, am I ever going to be able to rise to a higher level? And with that in mind, I want to talk about your divine inheritance. Your divine inheritance. Now, how many of us here have ever been to the reading of a will? I'm sure few of us have. The family, the relatives, and many others who expect to be involved in the distribution of the inheritance gather in a judge's chambers or in a lawyer's office and the will is read. It is a very exciting and anxious time indeed. For some, it is an extraordinarily life-changing moment. I thought about this when I read our text on today from 1 Peter. and Sometimes we forget that this is what we do every Sunday. We read the will. Amen. That is what we are here for, to read God's will and testament so all the children of God can know what their inheritance is. Sometimes I forget that this is what we are doing. So again, today we are going to reflect on your divine inheritance. Today's text reminds us that we have, by virtue of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an eternal inheritance that cannot shrink, that cannot be removed, that cannot be altered, that cannot pass away. No fees attached with this inheritance. It does not depreciate. It is, according to 1 Peter, kept in heaven, which means guarded. It is reserved. It is under lock and key in heaven to be bequeathed to us. That is why we are here. So have you ever been to the reading of a will? Some people don't even show up because they don't want to be embarrassed. They say, what if everybody is sitting there having their names called out and finding out what they're going to get and they, they don't call my name? And there I sit. Then what? I think I'll just not show up. 
Now, according to the Old Testament in ancient Israel, there were some in the family who may not show up or who may as well not show up because their names would not be called. The widow. We call her the, we call her the poor widow because that's exactly what she was in the economic system of that day. She did not have anything coming to her according to the law. Zero. Zilch. She could sit there all day long, but her name would not be called. I know that seems strange, but I'm just telling you how it was. You see, part of her problem was that she was a woman. A fact that accounted for a lot of the things that she suffered. You see, inheritance went through the men. So she didn't get anything. Moreover, moreover, if the deceased only had daughters, they didn't need to show up for the reading of the will either. Their names would not be called. If you were a daughter of Israel and Israel during those times, you did not come to the reading of the will. You wouldn't hear your name. The inheritance would go to the brothers of the deceased who had sons. And if they didn't have sons, it would just keep rolling. You see, today we do not have these Old Testament rules and regulations because in our legal system today, wills and inheritances are up to the decision of the one who is the benefactor. The inheritance is up to the benefactor's decision, which actually means that it's up to the person's current love or hate or whim that they're feeling at the moment. Nowadays, the will can be changed and changed and then changed and changed again. And you can actually sit there at the reading of the will as a son or a daughter and not have your name called at all. The benefactor, if they wish, can leave it all to the cat. Being of sound mind and judgment, I hereby bequeath my entire estate of $2 billion to my cat muffins. And to the caretaker of muffins, my cat. Don't laugh, that can be done. Well, you can laugh, it is kind of funny. <laughs> But this leads to all kind of trouble and lawsuits. Was he really of sound mind? Was he suffering from dementia? Was he under some kind of undue influence when he changed the will? Was something going on between the benefactor and Muffin's caretaker? It can be an ugly thing. I do not know whether it is always worth it to show up at the reading of a will under these circumstances. Many a person who has had a great deal of money may have also have had a son or a daughter who as the person gets old suddenly becomes very, very nice. Would you like some more soup, daddy? Can I bring you anything, daddy? I'm just calling the check on you. But up until that time, dad did not exist. Up until that time, mama was just an old battle axe. Now all of a sudden, you being all sweet and nice to them. Maybe they'll change the will. Maybe I'll get more than the others. Maybe I'll get something big. And then the will is read and the family is torn apart. Brothers and sisters don't speak to each other anymore because one got a lot while the other didn't get anything. Now, it may sound a bit harsh, but some of us, some of us haven't been to the reading of a will because many of us in our community don't even have an inheritance to leave. 
Many in our community don't leave anything behind for our children but bills and debt. If there was a reading of a will, we wouldn't show up because there may be people there trying to collect <laughs> on that debt. Don't worry, they're going to find you either way, whether you show up or not. Nice fat bill. The word says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. But I have to wonder if this world has convinced many in our community that we are under some kind of generational curse of poverty. Well, it's written in the will that we can break that curse. Some people don't show up because they feel that they have no name. I mean, how can your name be called when you are nameless? One day when I was younger, going to seminary and graduate school in Atlanta, I gave a friend of mine to a job interview. They needed me to wait for them while they were inside having their interview so they could get a job to pay for school and some of their expenses. But while I was waiting there, I looked across the street and saw an old Georgia graveyard. And as strange as it may have seemed, as I sometimes do, I took a walk through that graveyard. And what I'll do is I begin to look at the names and the dates on the tombstones. Seems to be a very strange fascination, but Sometimes I'll do it. I'll look at the names. And I saw names like Robert Brownson, born in 1854, died 1902. Priscilla Hackett, born in 1876, died 1932. William Thompson, born 1947, died 1952. And I thought about who these people were, the lives they lived, the lives they lived, what their lives looked like, what their, their houses looked like, their friends, what, what did they eat, how did they treat other people, who were they, who were they? But I could at least look down and see their names, and I knew that they existed, even if it was more than a hundred years before I was there. I saw a gentleman off in the distance working there among the graves, and of course he, you know, kind of thought it was interesting that I, interesting that I was standing there, and I asked him how long this graveyard had been there. He told me it went all the way back to the early 1800s. He told me that there was even certain graveyards not too far from there where the gravestones had no names. They had no dates. In fact, some of them in that graveyard didn't even have a gravestone, just maybe a, a rock sitting there, but there were no names. They were the graves of slaves that had died during the darkest and most evil period in American history. Society at that time didn't even think that they were worthy to have their names written on their gravestones. Society didn't even believe that they were worthy of showing up for the reading of a will because they had no name. Even today, there are unarmed black men being gunned down by the police because they are not seen as a person. They are only seen as a number, a statistic. They don't have a name to society, so they do not even have a name to themselves. That is why we so easily and callously shoot each other down and call each other out of our name. Sometimes the world will try to see you as nothing more than a number, a criminal, a convict, a crime waiting to happen. Why come to the reading of the will when you don't even have a name? Can you believe that? 
no names. I think the saddest group that does not show up for the reading of the will are those who, in terms of expecting anything, have eliminated themselves. Eliminate themselves from the possibility of what they can have. These people have disqualified themselves because of their perceived low station in life or because of something horrible that they have done. But if anyone, I mean anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. Give the Lord praise if you know that you're a new creature on this morning. Hallelujah. But I'm amazed at how often we'll actually try to disqualify ourselves from our inheritance. I still run into people who have disqualified themselves from their divine, eternal inheritance. Some do so simply because they think that they don't have the right thing to wear to the reading of the will. Can you believe that? What is the right thing to wear? I know that we're always supposed to present and come with God before God in our best, but sometimes you just don't know. And sometimes you think that you don't have the right thing. And I'm always saddened by those who say, I'm not going to that church because it's nothing but a fashion show. But if I know that I'm getting an inheritance, If I know that I got something coming to me, I am not going to let my lack of wardrobe, my son say my lack of drip, (laughs) stop me from getting what is coming to me. I would wear whatever I had because I know that I am walking away from that reading a whole lot better than I was when I walked into that room. I'm not going to let the fact that I don't have the finest clothes keep me from getting my blessing, my divine inheritance. I'm not going to stay home and watch the game or go shopping when I know that I'm about to hear about my inheritance. I'm not going to let the way some people act in church keep me from getting my blessing. I'm not going to let them keep me get from keep me from what's coming to me. I got to get mine. Sometimes and I know surely that it's not anyone here today but sometimes at the reading of a will there are those that look down on others for some strange reason. They think that they have more right to the inheritance that is being read that day. They have their own seat picked out. And they will get mad at you if you even unknowingly sit in their seat. They think that they should get more of the inheritance because they've been there longer. They've been listening to the reading of the will since we was on Adams. And this is just their place. But let me tell you, none of us have more claim on this inheritance than anyone else. We all get the same inheritance from our Father, whether this is your first time hearing the reading of the will or your 500th time hearing the will. So be nice to that person who you don't think has on the right clothes today. They're about to get their inheritance. They're about to get what's coming to them. They are about to get a blessing from the Lord that you cannot imagine. And after they get their inheritance... You're going to want to be their friend. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to get my inheritance. Amen. Go on and pop your collar. It's all right. But here in 1 Peter, we find a group of people gathered to the rafters for the reading of the will. They're all there, jammed into the room, excited. I don't know why they're there. Most of them are women. When you read all of 1 Peter, you see that many of the people being addressed are women. If you look through our history, you'll find out that it was the sisters that 
built the church. Go on and give them praise. Amen. It was the sisters that prayed for you. When you was out half crazy doing whatever you were doing out there in the streets, it was your mama, your grandmama, your auntie. Go on and give him praise. Hallelujah. I know my mama was praying for me. She would wait till I got home, no matter how late I got home, and be up praying for me. I'd be like, mama, I'm going to be out late, so you might want to get you some sleep. <laughs> she said, no, I'm going to stay up and pray for you. She would not feel good about going to sleep until she heard my car pulling into the driveway. So give the Lord praise for the sisters. And so when you read all of 1 Peter, you'll see that many of the people being addressed are women. And you know that in the world at that time, their names were not going to be called at the reading of the will. When you read 1 Peter, you'll know that some of the members of that, ch of that church were slaves. Do you think all of them should show up while the will was being read? Are they going to have their names called? Why are they there? They're all excited all excited for the reading of the will. Women, slaves, outcasts, nobodies, and what First Peter calls exiles, foreigners and transients. That is the way all Christians were looked at back then. Christianity was not the fashionable religion of the time. It was the religion of the have-nots. It was the belief of the left out of the low class, of the uneducated. That's what Christians were looked at back then. We've come a long way, haven't we? But they were people without a country, without status, non-people, people without a name. Where did they live? What is their place? What is their name? Nowhere, nobody. Yet in this little church addressed by First Peter, these children of God had all gathered for the reading of the will. Strangers, exiles, slaves, women's, nobodies, everybody. They have all come and they are all excited because they said this will God's will that we are reading today has been kept guarded in heaven under lock and key and nobody can change the will. The value will not go down. It is imperishable. It is unchangeable. And it is not the whim of the one who made out the will to change it and change it and change it. This one is not going to be giving the money and the estate to their pets. These people are confident that no matter what their station in life is, no matter what their past is, no matter what they have done, that they are going to be shown their inheritance and they are going to celebrate the love and grace and give God praise for what he has done. Go on and give him praise for what he's done in your life on today. Hmm. Every one of them who have come to the church on that day is expecting it. The leader gets up and reads the terms of their will, the terms of their divine inheritance. He says, first of all, there is no silver or gold here. You've come to the wrong place if that's what you're interested in. You see, this is the church. And there's no silver or gold. There is, however, as part of your divine inheritance, mercy. Hallelujah. Mercy that is new every morning. Mercy that endures forever. And when push comes to shove, that is part of the inheritance that 
every one of us, especially me, every one of us will need more than anything else. I'm just going to talk about me. I don't know about you, but because of the things that I have done in my life, I deserve God's justice. But he gave me mercy. You deserve God's justice. But what did he give you? He gave you mercy. That's first point in the will. Give the Lord praise if you can admit <laughs> that you received some mercy on today. Then the reader continues with the will. There is hope. And that's what keeps us alive in the middle of a tough situation. It is hope that keeps you going and moving forward on a dark day. Hope keeps the student alive. Hope keeps the soldier alive. It is the farmer planting seed today, believing that it will bring a harvest tomorrow. Your giving each Sunday is an exercise in hope. Because you know that as you plant that seed in good ground, one day, God is going to bring you a harvest. We can be so sure that God even said, yo, test me. Test me to see that I will not bring you a harvest off of the seed that you have planted. 10, 20, 50, and 100 fold. For y'all who don't know what that means, I'm going to give it to you 10 times as much as you gave, 20 times as much as you gave, 50 times as much as you gave, 100 times as much as you gave. I'm living out the blessing because of what my father and what my mom gave in offering 30, 40, 50 years ago. A hundredfold. Amen. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It is a hope that goes beyond your circumstances. It is part of your divine inheritance. It is written into the will. I'll give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. So now we have mercy, and then we have hope. And if you go further past our text to verse 8, you'll see that joy is a part of our inheritance as well. But not that naive, childlike joy that children get because of puppies and balloons, or, nor that delusional, delirious joy that laughs because of pain, but I'm talking about joy that comes through victory. I'm talking about joy that comes through struggle. That joy that comes through pain. That joy that comes through living out your purpose. That joy that comes from getting tested by fire. That kind of joy that a mother feels when she has delivered that child through the travail of pain and labor. Joy. My grandmother used to sing about joy unspeakable. She'd be like, joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of... Oh, y'all too young for that? <laughs> oh, the path has never yet been told. I did not know what she was singing about back then when I was younger. But all I had to do was just live a little bit and go through a little something to know that joy unspeakable was part of my inheritance. Give the Lord praise for joy on this morning. That's just a part of it. But I want to ask you something. Do you know of any people who may live near you or around you who don't show up for the reading of the will? They don't show up because they think that they are not going to get anything from here. Do you know any people who have, for some reason, excluded themselves from their God-given inheritance? If you do, I want you to go to them and say, you know, last Sunday, we read the will, and your name was called out, but you were not there. And then tell them this, we're going to read it again next Sunday. So bring them to this place to hear it. There is nothing like hearing your name called 
There is nothing like hearing the voice call your name and say, child of God, this is yours. This is what we do here. We read the will. You see, most of us have forgotten that we even have an inheritance. We've forgotten what God has promised to us. We have forgotten what it means to live in God's promise. When Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water, he was stepping out on his inheritance. Because in the will, it says, I promise to keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And what happened when Peter took his mind and his eyes off Jesus? Fear overtook him and he began to sink. When David achieved victory over, God, over Goliath, he was stepping out on his inheritance. When Jesus arose from the dead, he was stepping out on God's promise. He was stepping out into his divine inheritance. He promised that he was the resurrection and the life. Give him praise on this morning that he is the resurrection. <laughs> now, what is in the will regarding those that believe on him? You see, the Bible... The whole Bible is God's will and testament, God's inheritance to us. The word is full of God's articles of bequeathal to his children. We are what it says we are. We have what it says we have. And if God said it, that settles it. It is our divine inheritance. Say it with me, my divine inheritance. It's what's coming to me. It is mine. All we have to do is believe in and walk in it. It's in the will. All we have to do is say, it's in the will. Say it with me. It's in the will. The word of God says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. It's in the will. You can't argue with me. Everybody say it with me. It's my inheritance. What about this one? If you delight in the law, God promises that you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever you do shall prosper. That's yours. It's in the will. It's your inheritance. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look at somebody and say, that's my inheritance. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. It's in the will. It's your inheritance. And we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, to those who are in the will. There it is. It's in the will. How about this one? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me in the will. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Hallelujah. It's yours. It's your inheritance. It's in the will. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, whose hope is in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. It's in the will. It's your divine inheritance. 
Oh, there's more. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Somebody needs to give the Lord praise. He's talking about you. He's talking about what's yours. It's in the will. By his stripes, we are healed. That is your inheritance. Your seed shall inherit nations. It's in the will. Never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. It is in the will. When the enemy rushes in like a flood, it's in the will. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, ye shall be also. This is what you got coming. For the sufferings of this present time shall not be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. It's yours. It is in the will. And it shall come to pass that who ever call upon the name of the Lord, whoever call upon the name of the Lord, whoever, I don't care what you've done, I don't care who you've been, I don't care the wrong you've done, any, I don't, whoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's in the will, it is your divine inheritance. That's it. It's a done deal. It's in the will. It is your inheritance. As children of the Most High, this is what we have coming to us. And as cool as some of us try to act in church, you know that if you got a letter that told you that a distant relative had died and left you $10 million, you might not believe it at first. You might think it's a scam. Since there's so many scams out there, you'd be looking for the angle. But then you'd get an email. You know, you just inherited $10 million. You still might think it's a scam. Then you get a phone call saying that you have an inheritance coming. Then you still might not be convinced. And then when somebody comes to your job, somebody comes to your house and says, listen, this is not a scam. This is not a trick. You have $10 million coming. You would lose your mind. You would go back to your breakdancing days. Some of y'all would be spinning on the floor on top of your head. But let me tell you something. When you give the Lord praise, you activate his promises. When you give the Lord praise, you activate his inheritance in your life. You don't have to wait till the battle is over. You can shout now. You celebrate right now. Stand on up and give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, is that how you're going to praise him? Is that all you're going to do? Somebody stand up and give the Lord praise. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm not going to act like I have everything that I need. I'm not going to act like I have it all figured out. I'm trying to get what God has for me, and I'm going to praise him. Praise him, praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, you're so close, you're right there. Don't let thoughts of your past, don't let thoughts of doubt get in the way of you and your inheritance. Hallelujah. It is yours. Just reach up and grab it. It is yours. Just reach up with your praise and accept it. Hallelujah. Now, the best thing about this situation is the person who wrote this will, even though they died, 
the person who wrote out this will, even though they actually died, rose again. Rose again from the dead. And he even said, you know that stuff I bequeathed to you in the will before I die? Even though I'm alive now, you can keep that stuff. You can keep your divine inheritance. Everything that he promised us in the will. The writer of this will died and rose again three days later and he said I am alive and I am alive forevermore and because he lives your inheritance is guaranteed he has the key to death he has the key to hell and the grave oh let's give the Lord praise on today see that's why we're here that's why this that's what this is all about hallelujah Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. Now there are some conditions. Sometimes in a will there are conditions. And there's really one condition that you have to satisfy to receive fully your full inheritance. And that is that whoever believes, you have to believe whoever believes in him may have eternal life and that's the brass plum of the will that is the top of your divine inheritance and I know that there is someone here that knows that you have been living your existence to this point just outside of God's inheritance for your life it's time now to claim the life and the existence that God your creator has bequeathed to you it is yours. It is just there waiting for you to claim it. In heaven, there is a whole section of unclaimed benefits waiting for us just to reach up and believe and have it. If I had a cool $500,000 sitting waiting for me, I would go claim it. But what I'm talking about here is eternal life. I am talking about your divine inheritance. And it does not have to sit there. Somebody here needs to know that God does not hate you no matter what you've done. He loves you. He wants to give you a better life, a more full and prosperous life more than you could imagine. He wants to help you realize your potential. He has put something inside of each and every one of us here. And it needs to come out. It needs to come out. The world needs for us to be salt and light. So whatever God has put inside of you, you need to connect with him so it can come out. Written into the will for you is eternal life. Titus 3 and 7 says, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It was in our scripture this morning. By being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I don't want to live without what has been left to me in the will. I don't want to just live outside the best of what God has for me. I want to be right in the middle of his will for my life. Hallelujah. The best and most safest, most secure place in the world is in God's will for your life. Give your life to him today. Move into the promise that God has for your life today. Ask God to show you what he can do with your life. Ask God to show you what your inheritance is in him. If you want to move towards claiming your inheritance, all you have to do is accept Jesus into your life. Accept him into your heart and believe on his name. Believe on his promise for your life. Because that's what we do here. We read the will. Hallelujah. 
Everyone pray this prayer of me. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Father God, that you have good in store for me. I want to thank you that you have written me into your will and testament. And I want to stand now and accept everything that you have bequeathed to me. Hallelujah. In your will. Lord God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he came down from heaven to die for my sins. And I believe that he rose again on the third day in your power. And I ask that he come into my life right now. Please forgive me for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong that I have been. And the wrong that I have done. And I accept him into my heart right now. I accept everything that he has for me in his will. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And Lord God, I also pray for those that may already have known you, but they have not claimed their benefits in your will. Father God, even though they may be your children, they are still living below the what you have laid out for them and their capacity in you, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that they would continue to open themselves for your will for their life, for your benefits for the articles of your inheritance in their lives, Father God. We know that you want us to live in victory. We know that you want us to live in grace. Father God, there is someone here that is still holding on to the guilt and the shame and the pain of what they have done. We thank you, Father God, that you came to set us free because it's in the will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Somebody just got free. Somebody just got saved. Somebody has decided that they are going to claim all of their inheritance. But beloved, if you received Christ on today, if you prayed that prayer of forgiveness, and if you accepted Jesus into your life, we want to know who you are. We want to walk with you on this journey. We want to join with you. We want to love on you. And we want to connect with you. So if that is you, if you've just decided today that you want to accept all of the benefits of your inheritance, just come on down here for a moment. We want to know who you are. If you are online, we praise God for you. We want you to write in. We want you to let us know who you are because we want to stand with you. We love you. We praise God for you. We want to celebrate with you because God is bringing something out of you on today. So if you want to accept all of your inheritance, just come on down to the front right now. Hallelujah. It's okay. There's no shame. We love you. We want to praise God for you. Hallelujah. Let's start praising the Lord right now. Celebrate those who are coming forward. Hallelujah. I know that there's those that are still coming. Like we were saying, that gift that God put inside of you can only come out through you. Just as if all, just like all of us here only have one footprint, one fingerprint. You're the only one with your fingerprint. God has put a gift inside of you, an anointing inside of you that is unique to only you. And only you can bring out what God has put inside of you. It is so good that you have decided to connect yourself with him. Well, we want to connect with you. We want to hold you up. 
We want to walk with you. We want to let you know that you are not alone in what God has given you. Let's praise the Lord for our brothers and sisters on today. We just want to spend a little bit of time with you on today. We're going to ask that you go with Elder John Patton right there. We just want to get a bit of information. We're not going to be too intrusive, but we just want to know a way that we can reach out to you and connect with you and pray for you and just be one with you as you go through this journey, all right? So just spend a few minutes with him. It will not take long. I just want to give you a little fist bump. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please come this way and follow Elder John Patton. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise, beloved. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise for that word. Remember that it's in the will. It is your divine inheritance. And you may be seated. Don't leave yet because we still got to give some, take communion. And we haven't reached the last part of our worship of today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And very soon we will be able to have our traditional communion. As you heard Bishop says, we are reopening the church in phases. And we're going to be back with our normal worship very soon. Give the Lord praise that he can, we can still continue on. But this ceremony represents the awful price that our Lord paid. That we might be saved. It represents also that we would be one with him. It is the fullest expression of the fact that you are an heir of eternity. That you are one. The Lord says that he is an heir and we are joint heirs in Christ. And he gave us this symbol. He gave us this ceremony, this celebration. It says, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink of this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until he comes. And if you're at home and streaming this service, you can participate as well. Just go get you a little crust of bread or something and some grape juice and some juice, and you can join with us as we celebrate this beautiful, beautiful expression and this symbol of our oneness, both in Christ's death and